0: ESPN's Emmy Award-winning 30 for 30 documentary film series presents The Greatest Mixtape Ever, the story of how a series of streetball videos set to music in the 90s transformed basketball's place in the culture defined the lives of the players who starred in them and change the game itself forever. Starting June 1st, stream on ESPN+. Plus and listen to the companion 30 for 30 podcast, a streetball mixtape exploring the essence of streetball through a collection of legendary stories listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts also listen to Swago and Perk an ESPN podcast led by its namesake hosts Marcus Spears Swago and Kendrick Perkins Perk with new episodes every Tuesday morning Spears and Perkins will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news as well as a look inside their lives career journey with can't miss conversations. During the NBA Finals games at Golden State, Perk and Brian Windhorst will be doing special post-game podcasts. That's Swaggo and Perk. Listen wherever you get your podcasts and also available on ESPN's YouTube channel. Welcome back to another Adam Schefter podcast, and on today's podcast, we have the pleasure of being joined by the 250th pick of the 2005 NFL Draft out of Harvard, a man who just last week announced his retirement in one of the most unique ways in NFL history, which we will get to. But we will be joined by the 17-year NFL quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, for those who missed it, He sent out what I didn't even know until we spoke was called a word cloud to his former teammates to announce that he was leaving the game. And in typical Ryan Fitzpatrick fashion, he did it with great flair. Now, there's a big story behind the word cloud that he sent out, and he will share that with us today, as well as list the most memorable games of his career why he's walking away now, what he plans to do next, and he has always been a fascinating character. He and I spent some time at the Masters together in 2021, had lunch with him and his father, had a great conversation that we'll recount during the course of our conversation today, and we figured with Ryan Fitzpatrick retiring in an off-season of retirements, which we will get to, he would be the perfect guy to give the platform to today to sum up his Great career. 17 seasons, starting out with the Rams, going to the Bengals, going to the Bills, going to the Titans, going to the Texans, going to the Jets, to the Buccaneers, to the Dolphins, to the Washington football team, where he spent last season. And now, obviously, he will transition into the next stage of his life. Last week, after he made the announcement, we sent him a text. Can you come on the podcast? And within seconds, he responded, when do you want to do it? And I said, right now. And so here he is, the man himself, the legend, the beard, Ryan Fitzpatrick. There he is. How are you? How are you doing?
1: Good. I uh, <laughs> That background or the shot that I had, I don't know if you looked at it or not. It was like a high school photo of me. <laughs> That's from... <laughs> That's from doing Zoom with the Dolphins back in the day.
0: Real? Well, put it back up. Put it back up.
1: Let's see, I got to turn my video off, <laughs> see if you can see if it
0: comes Oh, that, oh yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, you know what?
0: You, you've come a long way.
1: I've come a long way. I don't know if we're the better or not, but yes, I've come a long way.
0: You've come a long way. And congratulations on Thank a you. stupendous, incredible career. Really, unbelievable!
1: Pretty cool, man. Uh, What's so? Were you a Peloton guy, or were you actually like biking outside?
0: Yeah, I was uh, on my Peloton. I'm trying to relieve the stress, and I had to get on the bike. I just had to do it, there, Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> you understand that, and that's when you text you like, you could do this in 15 minutes. And I'm like, whoa, okay. <laughs> you know, I would have gotten off the bike, you know, all wet. For, for yeah. you, I would
1: have done that. No, no worries, no worries.
0: <laughs> for for you, I for you, I would have done that. So first and foremost, I have to tell you this that. When I decided to text you to ask you for this, I found great irony in that request. Did you, did you understand the irony of my request? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. I remember our
1: conversation about the podcast. And I mean, I'm totally cool with it, though. It, it's no this is, this is something that this isn't a normal, you know, hey, talk to me about how OTAs are going. Let's do a podcast. Like this one's a little different.
0: And for those who don't know, Ryan and I were fortunate enough, at least I was fortunate enough. To have lunch together at the Masters last year it was me, him, his dad. And who else was with us? There was a fourth, right?
1: Uh, yeah, but it was somebody from CAA, I think. I don't,
0: I don't remember who it was. I don't remember who it was But the four of us were at lunch. And during the course of that conversation, it came up how many requests you receive for podcasts. So what I did was I went back and I called the Washington PR guy, Sean D. Barbieri, should he say his last name? Sean The Barbier I
1: think. Yeah. I, 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 I called.
0: I called the Washington PR man, Sean, and I said, "Sean, you have to do me a favor. When you see Ryan at the next OTA, can you <laughs> ask him if he will do my podcast not just once, but on a weekly basis going forward, each week this summer? Just ask him. Deadpan it. Make it like it's a real request." And see his reaction. And did he ask you?
1: Yeah, he did. But that's what, I mean, the problem and what I was telling you is, as I've played for so many teams and gotten older and guys have started to retire, everybody starts a podcast. And everybody, it's not, a podcast is not a five-minute conversation. It's an hour conversation. And I have a hard time saying no to these things, especially for former teammates and guys that I love. So, that was the, the day we were together. I was venting about that and the enormous amount of podcast requests that come. Uh, and usually it's the same kind of discussions and topics. And uh, But like I said, anything for you, uh, I'm in. Let's, let's go ahead and get this thing going.
0: Well, I appreciate that. And that was a great lunch that day. And I enjoyed spending time with you and your dad. How's your dad doing?
1: He's doing great. He, yeah. uh, he's, he's jumped full on into golf and training for triathlons. Um, Unbelievable. So he's, he just, he won a race not too long ago for his age group. And uh, yeah, he's, he's doing great.
0: And what about Ryan Fitzpatrick? Now after 17 NFL seasons with nine different teams, what are you going to do?
1: Uh, you know, I, I'm going to stay busy. I'm, I'm a full-time chauffeur right now.
0: Yeah. Seven um, kids, which we'll get seven, into.
1: seven kids. We've got soccer. Soccer is about to wrap up. We're about to wrap up school. Um, we're in Virginia right now, getting ready to move to Arizona. So, um, the next week or 2 we'll be very busy with that packing up, getting things situated, uh, a couple family vacations for the summer, and then start all, all over again in Arizona. But um, I'm looking forward just to being dad for a little bit and then figuring out what's to come.
0: How weird will that be not having to mentally prepare, physically prepare for training camp?
1: I'm a little worried about the physical part. You know, I should, I should be physically preparing for something or I it might get out of hand here, but uh, you know, last year for me ended up being kind of a preview of what was to come. Cause after I got hurt, Um, and with the trainer situation in Washington, uh, I was pretty much removed from the team, uh, probably three, four weeks after my injury. And so it was kind of a, you know, rehab for an hour or two each day, but I was removed from the day-to-day of the meetings and the football and being involved with that. So, uh, gave me a glimpse into the future of what retirement would look like and, um, drove my wife crazy, but, uh, I think, I think it was a a good preview for what was to come. And, you know, I think it's, it's something that it was time and I'm, I'm ready for it.
0: What did you learn during that time away from football last year after suffering the injury that you did early on?
1: Uh, I mean, I learned, I learned that I love football and miss it dearly, but um, I also learned um, just being there, being available. Uh, There's so much over the last 16 years before that, um, especially as my kids have gotten older, um, during the season, I do as much as I can to make sure that I'm present when I come home, leaving everything uh, at work, at work, and um, going home and being there. But during the grind of an NFL season, that mental part of it, uh, the emotional part of it, um, those two more so than the physical, it's hard to be present all the time because you're always thinking. It, about something you're thinking about the next game you're thinking about things you screwed up or things you could do better um so that part of it for me and being able to leave that all behind and be present when I was home and you know during the season especially with my kids now uh, my oldest is a freshman in high school so playing high school football uh, and being able to be involved in a lot of that it was it was a great thing for me and a, a blessing in disguise uh, with the injury
0: before i ask you why retire now and more specifics about your future you mentioned being present can you give me and anyone who's listening some tips on how to be more present at home I mean, it's, and,
1: it's hard right i mean it, oh and my the, a lot of it comes a lot of it comes from the devices and i know like in your life you cannot you are tied to that thing and have to be. And I know I'm sure you have multiples and you've got some burners and, um, <laughs> cause your job is information. But for me, sometimes, uh, it is putting the phone away and making sure that my family is putting their phones away and just being there. You know, there was a big thing with my 15 year old this year. He's just on his phone, watching YouTube shorts because it's there in his pocket and he's watching them. And It's a, it's a hard thing with society in general. Um, You know, even just, you know, I always go back to the O-line dinners and when I first got into league versus now, and it's like at the O-line dinners, everybody's there just staring at their phones. That's the way it is. So you collect the phones and you put them in a bin and make sure that everybody is present and talking. And I, you know, that's a big part of it for me is, you know, anti-device, but a lot of it too is you know, just appreciating, learning to appreciate. And I think a lot of people through the pandemic did learn to appreciate, you know, being together and the time you get to spend. And um, so that that stuff in the last few years has been really good for me.
0: So is there a rule in the Fitzpatrick household, no devices at the dinner table, got to check them into a bin, like that kind of thing?
1: Uh, there's, no, there's no physical bin, but uh, <laughs> yeah, there are, we've got, We've only have two right now with cell phones—a uh, fifteen-year-old and a thirteen-year-old. So, there's appropriate times to have them, and there's very inappropriate times to have them. And I think we've made a pretty good line of when that is.
0: The younger five are not allowed to have cell phones.
1: If, you know, they've got the uh, now uh, defunct iPod touches, a couple of them, where they can keep track on Wi-Fi with their friends and text and do that. But there's zero reason for them to have a phone outside of the house.
0: So, do you have an age that you think it's permissible to allow a child to have a cell phone, a device? Uh,
1: yeah. And I think, I think it's ever changing too. Like we, you know, for, for me, I think I had senior year of high school, maybe was the first time I had one. My wife didn't have one until college. And obviously wow. that has changed with the way that life goes. Um, so, you know, the other thing is girls and boys, is it my two oldest are boys. So is it different for the boys than it is for the girls as a, Father, I say, yes. I mean, it scares me to think about, you know, the girls more so than the boys. But I think once you get to that middle school age, seventh, eighth grade, it becomes such a huge part of your social life um, that that's the appropriate time to have one.
0: It's so different than how I grew up and I'm 55 and different than how you grew up. Like, I'm thinking back in college. How did we know where to meet? How did we communicate amongst? It happened. There were no issues.
1: Yeah. Well, now my, my big thing in high school was the collect calls with the,
0: right.
1: you know, you have a call from mom, come pick me up, you know, that kind <laughs> of thing. Uh, and that has since gone away, but uh, you're right. It's, it's amazing. And, and the one thing about the masters, which I love, they take the phones away. You nobody, well, if you're not a player, maybe you're a caddy or a green jacket, you are not allowed to have a cell phone on the course during the tournament. And it is amazing. It is so much fun just to be there and, you know, going back to being present and even the scoreboards and to not know what the scores or what's going on in the tournament, except for the roars that you're hearing, you know, an amen corner and wherever else. And then seeing them put the old school scores up and everybody reacting to it on the course. It's pretty cool.
0: When I was down there and for the first time in my professional life, since I've had a device, had to surrender it and leave it at home that day. What I found was I found myself continually reaching for my pocket, reaching for a device that wasn't there. And I would equate it, I guess, to somebody that's trying to quit smoking and you go to reach for a pack of cigarettes or something like that.
1: It's like a tick now, right? I mean, it is. You're constantly just kind of, if you don't have it, you're feeling and you feel like something, a part of your body is missing.
0: I remember seeing Dwayne Wade that night at the Masters, and we were talking about not having a phone. And I said, how did you like it? And I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, I f- loved it.
1: Oh, well, and I, you know why he loved—he loves it. Well, and, you know, you're such a celebrity now. You did too, but it's like <laughs> people... That's the one place on earth that Dwayne Wade can walk around and not have everybody saying, Hey, do you mind getting one, just one picture? Hey, one picture. And you know, he's the nice guy and he's going to take pictures with people, but then one guy takes a picture and it becomes a thousand guys. That's one of the only places on earth that some of these guys that are extremely famous can go and just be and walk around, which is fun.
0: This show is sponsored by better help. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. So back to the retirement, why now? Like, again, you probably knew you were doing this, but why does it come out now? Why you send the text that you did? And I want to ask you about that, but why now, Ryan?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I've been, I've made this, this decision about a month ago and I've been at peace with it. You know, I don't have any social media. Um, I've, I've been on nine teams. So it's not like, you know, one particular team was going to hold a press conference for me. So this is th- your press
0: conference. This is your press conference right here. I, <laughs> so it's, and I'm honored to hold it for you.
1: Well, it was, you know, the, the thought was, well, okay, so that's how people normally retire, social media or press conference. I'm not really going to do either of those. And so I just started, you know, making phone calls and talking to the people that I needed to talk to to say thank you and inform them of my decision. Um, I made that word cloud with my son the other night. We did it in four team increments. So I did the first four years, then he did the next four years, then I did the next. So we did it that way um, and just essentially went on the rosters, copy pasted, but we had to delete. You know, you can't just get a clean roster. It would be like uh, Demetrius Bell 65320. It'd have his number, it'd have his college. So we'd have to go and delete everything after Demetrius Bell and then. Because of the word cloud, we had to put a squiggly line in between Demetrius and Bell. And so, uh, you know, this was hours of work and him doing four, me doing four, and just rotating back and forth. And then from there, creating this word cloud, and I'm sure there's a few guys that we missed, but I I did my best to get everybody. And the more they're mentioned, the bigger their name gets. Uh, So there's some teammates. Garrison Sanborn, I think, is a teammate I played the longest with, six years uh, but there were some other guys that were just so important to me uh, in my career that I made their names a little bit bigger to just show the appreciation I had for them and the relationships that we have. So that's kind of how we did it. Uh, and then I just sent it out to a lot of those guys and said, thank you. You know, I, did, and I got a text message from Fred Jackson this morning that said, hey, I uh, didn't realize it would blow up like it did. Sorry if I if you didn't want me to do that. You know, and it, it just it, it worked out perfect. I mean, Fred felt the need to post it and say thank you to me, which is you know that's the world we're living in now. It happens on social media, um, and it kind of caught a life of its own yesterday. Um, but it, I'm I'm happy that Fred was the one to to do it. I guess.
0: So, how many players and teammates would you say were included in that work? So i
1: I think it I think there were 856 in that word cloud which which was pretty cool and and going through it it's so great because there's guys you know i haven't seen or thought of for the last 15 years and as i'm going through and seeing some of these names just smiling and laughing at all the great memories that we had
0: and how long do you think it took you and your son to do that word cloud
1: it was hours uh it was definitely hours but uh that part of it was really fun the, the part that i didn't love so much was then my wife came in and she said well you could put the names this way and diagonal and vertical we have to work on the color scheme we've got to do the shape and that part might have taken longer than the actual data entry um but in an, i ended up just picking a real simple one you know the square with the i think they were red and black yeah. names and everything was horizontal but a lot of wonderful names on that list. A lot of great teammates.
0: And to the best of your knowledge, it does include everyone you play with. There might be an oversight of someone you missed, but you try to include every single player that you ever played with.
1: Yeah, I try to include everybody. And in, in, in the last two days, my the only two that I've kind of thought, I don't know if Kevin Walter is on that list, who is one of my best buddies in the world. We were in Tennessee together, but he got hurt. Um, and I don't know that he was on the opening roster. And then somebody like uh, Dante Hall was another one that I was thinking of that came to St. Louis when I was there mid-season or something, and I don't know that he was entered on it or not. So there's a few that I probably missed, but we did our best to include everybody.
0: And whose idea was it to come up with the word cloud, Ryan?
1: Uh, It was mine. I just I thought it would be uh, cool. I thought it would be cool to see. I thought it would be a nice way – um, for me to just say thank you and to honor a bunch of my teammates and and guys that I love playing with. And, uh, it was a neat exercise for me to share with my son. Um, and I had it. So the biggest name on that list is Fred Jackson. And I've said this a lot of times. He's the, my favorite teammate of all time. Um, and I had my 13 year old on down say who is Fred Jackson. And so (laughs) I had, Uh, I had a lot of explaining to do. Um, we had to talk a lot and, you know, I had to let them know who he was. The other good one, my daughters love Mike Kosicki and they wondered why he wasn't bigger and they love Kyle Van Noy, but they don't know him as Kyle Van Noy. They know him as angry eyebrows. And so
0: angry eyebrows,
1: they're looking at the list and they said, dad, where is angry eyebrows on (laughs) here? So. Yeah, but I put his real name, Kyle. Uh, so they were happy to see that. Um, my boys were pissed Bryce Petty's name wasn't bigger because they love Bryce. Um, so we had we had a bunch going back and forth like that. But uh, yeah, it, it was good.
0: Any recognition of the coaches that you coached around as well? Or are they just left out?
1: Ooh, I made I made a list uh you know, and I've, I've, I'll flash it to you here. Well, you can't even see it with the – I made a list of all the all the offensive coaches, you know, head coaches, OCs, QB coaches, uh, quality control guys that I've worked with. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll write some notes too. I, I think that the handwritten personal notes um, are really – they're really important to me. I think it'll be something that'll be cool, you know, just for me to pay my respects and thank all of them. Um You know, and that'll be something that allow me, it'll take some time to put some thought into it, but allow me to really thank those guys the proper way.
0: So there are handwritten notes coming to basically the coaches that played a significant role in your career.
1: Yeah. And I'll tell you one of the, one of the guys I played with that's pissed, this is kind of a funny story. This is, you know, if I had to pick three or four best friends uh, in the NFL, guys that um, I've absolutely loved and will, will always have great relationships with Dave Ragone is one of them. Now, Dave Rigone, we never played together. I was in my second year in the league and Scott Linehan became the head coach after Mike March in St. Louis. Scott Linehan brought in Gus Ferrat and he brought in Dave Rigone, two guys that he had worked with before uh, Gus in Miami and Dave at Louisville So, I was the fourth string quarterback, you know, the odd man out. And I ended up beating out Dave. We hated each other, didn't really speak to each other. Um, Fast forward to 2013, I walk into Tennessee's facility after signing with Tennessee, and Dave Ragones, my quarterback coach. So, uh, Dave texted me yesterday and said, I didn't see my name on the list. And I said, Well, we never played together, Dave. So, Um, you know, now the the success that he's had uh, and they're going to do great in Atlanta, him and Arthur, um, they will be getting a handwritten note, but I told him yesterday, I have to check to see if he's on the list.
0: (laughs) And I would imagine when you play 17 years for nine teams, you're probably entitled to receive a note from one Peyton Manning, I would think. Don't you?
1: Wow. Uh, I got a I, so I, I have a good relationship with the Manning family. Uh, Archie invited me to the Manning camp way back when, 2004 or whenever it was. Wow. Um, so I, I've just got a you know, longstanding relationship with, with them and, and Coop and Eli. Uh, so I've always really appreciated that family.
0: Well, you know, what's kind of cool. The night that we were together, Patrick Mahomes walked into where we were. Was it Mahomes? And I said, oh, or Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey walked in. I said, oh, there's Kelsey. And you're like, I've never met him. And I couldn't believe that you'd been in the league as long as you have. You know as many people as you, and you hadn't ever met Travis Kelsey before. Like, that's amazing to me. That I thought you would know everybody.
1: And I I know Jason Kelsey very well. I brought him to my barber in Tampa, and we got the beards trimmed together. And so- (laughs) Yeah. But uh, yeah, after I mean, after that night and a few games of beer pong, I know Travis very well. Very well.
0: <laughs> he's a great guy, too.
1: Yeah, he's a great guy.
0: He's a great guy. So now when we look back over these 17 years and you we were able to look back at all these teammates that you played with and all these coaches you played for that, you'll show your proper appreciation for over time. What comes to mind as you think about and reflect upon your NFL career?
1: Uh, I mean, just so much gratitude for the opportunities that I was given so much gratitude for the people that believed in me. Um, you know, just in going through that exercise of writing down all those teammates and going through the list, the relationships, all the, the texts and the calls and the emails that I got yesterday from guys, you know, some of them obvious and the, the guys that were big on the list, um, and some guys that maybe I had played only a year or two with and just kind of the impact that I had on their life or whether, whether I knew it or not, um, there was some really nice stuff that came through yesterday. So
0: like what, like from who, uh, what stands out to you?
1: Yeah, I, I got one like Marcus Easley is a guy we are teammates in Buffalo, um, for three or four years and he had his struggles in terms of injuries and just wrote me a really nice, you know, long text message about what I meant to him in his career. Uh, You know, even a guy like Garrison Sanborn, who uh, was a long snapper, you know, and had a great career as a long snapper. He's a really good friend. Um, You know, one of the things that he pointed out was he didn't know how, me having to support a family and do all these things could be so carefree and stress-free and enjoy every minute of every day and even in the games be out there having fun and enjoying it and that was something that was great for him to see because he put too much stress on everything wow. and was too tight all the time and um, you know, those are just some of the things I, I got a great letter from Patrick Laird not too long ago. Um, so it's you know, these these aren't Hall of Fame names, these aren't you know, guys that in 20 years are probably even going to be remembered. But for me, the relationships that I built with these guys, um, you know, and Mike sicky and you know, just the way that uh, you know, I got an email that I saw from his mom that his mom sent to him just about how I changed, you know, the course of his career and his life and the appreciation there. So there's been a lot of them pouring in that have just been fun to, to see and read and, um, you know, nice to know that I've made such an impact on so many people throughout the years.
0: Where does that carefree attitude come from, Ryan?
1: Uh, I mean, part of it, part of it's confidence in myself. Part of it is, you know, was I even supposed to be here? you know, being being a kid that wasn't heavily recruited at a high school, being a kid that had to scratch and claw to even play in college. And then, you know, the opportunities I found myself in the NFL, um, always confidence and belief in who I am or who I was as a player and, you know, making sure that every opportunity that I was in, that I took advantage of it, that I gave guys chances to make plays that I just didn't sit back and you know, try to survive, that I tried to go out there and thrive and play without fear. Um, and that was, that was kind of the way that I like to do it. And
0: that had to do, and, that ha, and, that, and there had to be something to that being a part of you playing 17 years, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, that was a lot of it. I mean, it, it, one of the things that bothers me now about guys is quarterbacks that come into the league and it's like after the game, they're checking stats and well, I was, you know, I threw for 75% completion and, you know, I threw one touchdown, but I didn't throw any interceptions and we didn't lose because of me, you know? And I, I I don't like that mentality. I want you to win or lose because of me, you know, I want to be the guy you know, win or lose, I put everything out there on the line and I'm not trying to just get through a game or make sure that, you know, my stats look okay. So nobody can blame me. That's, that's one of the issues I see with a lot of the young quarterbacks now, or even a lot of the backup quarterbacks that come into the game. Mm -hmm. How can I prolong my career and just make sure that at the end of the year, my stats look okay. Um, that's never really anything that went through my mind. Um, and I don't think that's the way that you should do it, you know, and I want to I take pride in the fact that whether I was a starter or the backup, every time I went into the game, everybody on that field, on my side of the field, felt like we had a chance to win. And they knew that I was going to give everything I had. And, you know, that's one of the things I'm most
0: proud about. Is there a quarterback in the league today that you look at and you admire more than others for his talents and the way he plays?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, my, my favorite quarterback and there's, there's a bunch of young guys coming up where it's amazing, but my favorite quarterback to watch is Josh Allen. I mean, he's, it's just, the game is not supposed to be easy. I mean, (laughs) I promise it's not easy And to anybody that's ever watched me play. It looks like I have to struggle to throw the ball 10 yards sometimes, but some of these young guys that have come in, you know, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Burrow, I mean, it's just, Josh Allen's my favorite because it looks effortless and he's so talented and he still doesn't know how good he is, um, you know, and he's just going to continue to get better, but, um, uh, doesn't hurt also that he plays in Buffalo, um, doesn't hurt that he fits that city to a T just in terms of, you know, the way he is, his demeanor. Um, and, and I think a lot of it for him is he, he doesn't even realize, you know, how good he is and he's so humble. That the work is always going to come, and his teammates are always going to play hard for him.
0: Now, didn't you show up at a Bills game last season topless in cold weather?
1: <laughs> well, so I go to the Super Bowl every year with well uh, for the last probably five or six years with uh, my two oldest boys, and when it was in Tampa, we lived in Tampa, so I brought my two oldest girls as well, um, and that was awesome. We sat in the very last row. Um, <laughs> but it was it was fun to see Tampa win the Super Bowl at home. But um, so I, I brought them to the Super Bowl like the last five or six years, and this year just wasn't really feeling going out to LA. And the Bills had a home playoff game, so it was like the Bills have a home playoff game. Let's make this our trip where we go. And so um, I know a few people in the organization, and so I was able to you know purchase some tickets. And, uh, we flew up that day, went to the game and the whole time from like the car through the parking lot to the, to the game, my boys were like, Oh, we're taking our shirts off dad. We're doing it. We're doing it. And I'm like, guys, like, okay, it's you know, negative three out, just relax, you know? Um, so that was the conversation, like the whole game they're like, okay, dad, like they're winning, you know? Um, and so I think it was, it was after the seventh, Touchdown. I mean, it was such an amazing like energy and feeling in that stadium. Um, I think it was after the seventh touchdown of the game that I felt like it was time. So <laughs> me, and, me and my boys threw the shirts off. So then a couple people around us kind of did the same thing. Um, I lasted, I lasted maybe three or four minutes. And after about 10 minutes, I had to tell my boys to put the clothes back on, you know, cause frostbite was coming soon, but uh, that was, it was a great experience and one, you know, to share with my
0: boys that I'll never forget. I remember seeing that picture and thinking that can't be Ryan Fitzpatrick topless at a bills game. Like wh- there's no way that's somebody else that grew a beard that looks like Ryan Fitzpatrick at the bills game.
1: No, I mean, I don't know that I've ever felt more at home Uh, in a stadium or with a fan base, then, you know, and and I was in Buffalo for four years, but those, those are my people. I mean, I, I feel like I understand them and they understand me. Uh, And it was one of the great pleasures of my career is playing there in Buffalo.
0: How often do people recognize you with the beard? Like if you shave the beard, I'll bet you fewer people would recognize you. But the beard is your distinguishing trait, your distinguishing factor, right?
1: Yeah, I I don't. uh, Yeah, everybody with the beard, I mean, everybody recognizes me. So if I did shave it off, you know, A, my kids would be pissed. B, I would be very nervous about what it looked like under here. Um, And yeah, I I would be able to be anonymous. But it's, it's such a part of who I am now that I couldn't imagine doing it.
0: So it's staying. It's here for good.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think so. What do you think? You think it looks good? I may need to grow it out a little longer. It's,
0: it's you. It's great. It's awesome. How much maintenance does it take?
1: None. Really? really? I mean, every now and again, if it gets too out of whack, I just take a, take a blow dryer to the sides. But um, the big debate in my house right now is, is this gray or blonde? Which it's definitely blonde, but um, some people are starting to argue that it's gray. So.
0: You ever get food caught in there? You know, when it rains, oh, yeah. does it get, oh, yeah. you know, I'm like like burgers. like, what's the biggest problem with having a beard that long and distinctive?
1: Uh, this, this part of it is not bad. It's the mustache you got to maintain because as soon as you start eating cheeseburgers and chomping on your mustache, that's when you know you got to cut it. <laughs>
0: You mentioned some of your favorite teammates. We mentioned going to Buffalo and being in that stadium. Is there a game over the course of the 17 years that you played in that stands out that you'll always look back on with great memories and so fondly that'll vault to the top of your thinking there?
1: I mean, I I, so I actually, I spent the last uh, like 45 minutes. I was writing down my favorite games ever. Um, There we go. And so I, has- But I have is a list of like ten of them, so I don't know if you want me.
0: Well, but, but, but what what made you write down the lead? You're just trying to savor things and be nostalgic. I <laughs> yeah, love you know, I just,
1: uh, Hey, I thought you were going to ask that question. <laughs>
0: yeah. um, but you I know just, your audience. Yeah, it's
1: fun. Like I just wanted I wanted to reflect. Um,
0: so what do we got? Give me the list.
1: I'll burn through them real quick. Because, yeah, go ahead.
0: No, I, I want to hear them.
1: Um, so. 2005 Rams versus the Texans. First ever game I played in down 21. We came in, we won 33, 27 in overtime. Um, that was really cool for me. Cause that was, it was Marshall Falk, Steven Jackson, Tory Holt, Isaac Bruce, Orlando pace. It was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. I had no idea what I was doing. And we go and come back and win the game in overtime with a, like a screen to Kevin Curtis. And he goes for 50. Um, Bengals versus jacksonville 2008 uh at that point the bangle we were 0 and a carson had gotten hurt no help no thought of you know being a good season whatever that was my first career win over jacksonville 21 19 uh buffalo versus cincy 2010 i played against carson and we were losing by a couple touchdowns we came back and won 49 to 31 it was just the first time i think in my nfl career i felt. That feeling of invincibility, that like, that feeling, it just, it had me hooked and addicted to it. Um, and that was the first time, I think, where I felt like, you know, just I couldn't be stopped. Stevie Johnson did the why so serious that game. I
0: remember that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that was really cool. Um, Buffalo, New England, 2011, at the beginning of the season. We, uh, you know, we hadn't beat New England in a long time. We beat them 34 to 31. Um, That was when Tom Brady didn't shake my hand. Houston versus Buffalo. Houston versus Buffalo 2014. This was like, it was a running joke for the last 10 years of my career that every game was a revenge game because every game, you know, (laughs) I had played for the other team, of course, and none of them really at that point had any, like, deep-rooted hatred or but the first first and only revenge game I feel like I ever had you know I was playing for Houston 2014 versus Buffalo so first time I ever played against Buffalo um I feel like the guys on my team in Houston really rallied around me and we won that game 23-17 so that one stands out in my mind Houston Tennessee I get benched for Ryan Mallett that year he plays two games tears his pec the first game I go back in um we won 45-21. I threw six touchdowns. DeAndre Hopkins caught for like 230 yards. Wow. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm hurrying through these, but I have like six more. These are all my like all-time favorites. Brian, so. this is
0: your press conference. You yeah. can do whatever give me, you give want.
1: Me a few here, we, so. we don't have
0: to go to commercial or take a break or anything. Let's keep going.
1: The, uh, the Jets versus the Patriots. Um, some of these games, I have to tell you which team I was on because I played for both. But this one, I don't. So... 2015, we won. It was our fifth game in a row. We went to 10 and five after beating New England, but it was the game went to overtime, Matthew Slater. Uh, they won the toss and they elected to kick off to us. And so we went down and scored uh, to win the game, to win our fifth game in a row to get us a 10 and five. It was such a cool feeling in that stadium. I got my handshake that game. Uh Jets versus Buffalo 2016. This was the first Thursday night game of the year. Yeah. I was playing for the Jets, not Buffalo. Um, we won 37-31. Again, just when I have think about those games where I had just the feeling of invincibility, this was one of them where like nothing could go wrong. Everything we did that game was perfect. Um, everything I did the rest of the season was not. But um, 2017, Tampa versus... Arizona this was my first year in Tampa Jameis was a starter hurts his shoulder I go in versus my hometown team uh in their stadium we're down 31 to 0 um I hated football from 2016 with the Jets was was seriously considering retirement never playing again decided to sign with Tampa um because it was close to Disney World so uh kids yep I come into that game, we're down 31-0 at one point against Carson Palmer, one of my best buddies. And we ended up losing 38-33. to But just re-finding the joy and the passion and like why I play the game of football, I just remember the next day on Monday being in film and just losing it, talking to my quarterback coach, Mike Bajekian and Jameis and uh, Ryan Griffin, just talking about that game how much it meant to me, how fun it was to be on the field, how fun it was to remember why I played the game. So even though we lost that one really was an emotional, fun game for me. Uh, this game I did cry after, um, Tampa versus new Orleans, 2018. It was crazy. This was the year James got suspended at the beginning of the year. It was the opener. Um, we won 48 to 40 and it just, again, one of those games where nothing could go wrong. Everything hit, everything was perfect.
0: One of those and glorious fits games.
1: It was just, and it was just the start of three games of 400 yards, you know, something that's never been done to start an NFL season by any quarterback, which is pretty cool. Um, but after that game, I just, I called my wife and just had no words. I mean, it, yeah, it was awesome. You get um, emotional
0: there. You get emotional. I am. I mean, you know,
1: some of these, yeah, some of these games are just, you know, they they're fun. They're fun to think about, but a lot of emotion that goes into some of these because of, you know, how difficult the career was and uh, how fun it was along the way. But just the people that supported me the whole time to be able to share some of these with them was pretty special. Uh, only two more for you. Huh.
0: I think I know one of them, but I'm I'm going to be. <laughs>
1: well, one of right? them is Miami, New England, 2019. Yeah. Uh, you know, we went. So that was the year we were. Miami was supposedly tanking and we started 0 and 7. We started week one. I'm introducing myself to people in the huddle. Um, We lost 59 to 10. Week two, we played New England. We lost 43 to nothing. And that. Might have been the most fun I've ever had playing football in 2019 with that crew. Um, so we go into New England the last week of the season. They've got a win to secure home field play. Uh, you know, home field throughout the playoffs. We have a two-minute drive. They go down and beat them at the last second, 27-24. Um, that one, that one was really cool. And then Miami versus Las Vegas, 2020. That's the one I thought you were gonna say. I, I I figured that was. I mean, that one for me was cool for a lot of reasons. I mean, one was you know we had the bye week, week seven. Uh, so I got that was when I got taken out for Tua, um, and this game was week. I think it was week seven, week six. It was week sixteen because we played Buffalo the next week. Um, but
0: yeah, and you had COVID, right?
1: So I I came into the game, and I you know I didn't. I didn't practice for the last 10 weeks because as a backup, you don't really practice. And if you do, you run scout team. And I wanted the other guys to get a chance to run scout team. So I literally, you know, I'd show up and do my conditioning, but hadn't run the offense or really thrown a ball in 10 weeks, uh, other than when I went into the Denver game uh, earlier. But it was just cool to go out there say okay old man take the ball and I got to call a lot of my plays and we went down and you know we we end up winning the game the face mask and the image of that
0: unbelievable Uh, image do you have that hanging anywhere in your office or anything like that
1: um so we move so much that I will eventually but right now it's my mother-in-law gave me a great great photo of it uh from an artist that she found and uh yeah so we'll eventually put that up probably maybe in the boys room or something
0: and for those who don't remember it, like your helmet was turned like back or you couldn't see where you were throwing. Right. And you still threw a downfield pass on the money completed to help lead the win. Right. Yeah. We had,
1: it was nine, we got the ball with 19 seconds left. The the Raiders decided not to score a touchdown, but to take as much time off the clock as they could kick a field goal, uh, 19 seconds left in the 25, which I thought was amazing until I watched Patrick Mahomes do it in 13 seconds um, <laughs> in a playoff game. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so it threw, threw a pass, <laughs> face mask grabbed. <laughs> Matt Collins caught it on the sideline, 15 more yards. We kick a field goal, win the game. Uh, and ironically, you know, and, and like it's just the story of my career and that it was interesting all the way to the very end, um, somehow get COVID. Can't play we, against the Bills the next week. But we uh, know how you got COVID. What do you think? It got caught in my beard? or
0: No, I believe there was somebody in the Dolphins front office that had it that you encountered post game. Correct. You're
1: right. You're right. Yes. Which is <laughs> which is a story for another day and is absolutely <laughs> insane, but uh, yeah. Your
0: own, your own guy knocked you out of the regular season opener, the yeah, regular season finale. finale. Yeah. The
1: regular season, but it's all good. Um, yeah. That was, that was tough to have to sit back and watch that one from a quarantine hotel room. But uh, yeah, those are, I'm sure that was a little long-winded, but those are some of my favorite games and memories. Uh, so I hope you, yeah, I hope you enjoyed me sharing. Those with you.
0: We were rolling on it, and that's why we have a press conference so we can <laughs> recap and recount and always remember the most meaningful games of your career. As you talk about them, there are a couple of things that popped into my mind. Who, over the course of the 17 years, was a defender you hated going against? One guy that you just, when you were going up against that guy, you knew this is a problem. Maybe with your attitude, your carefree attitude. Nobody phased you.
1: Well, I, I loved – so the, the answer to that should be Revis because when, when I was in Buffalo, Revis was the best corner and is the best corner I've ever seen, played against, and played with. Um, but I love the challenge of going up against him because Stevie Johnson you know, – I'm a seventh-round pick. Stevie's a seventh-round pick, and this is one of the greatest cornerbacks to ever play the game. So I probably threw – At him or in his direction a little too much because the challenge of me and Stevie going out there and doing it uh, was a great challenge and so much fun. But uh, there's probably some guys up front. I mean, I I always hated going up against Fletcher Cox. Just I don't know. He's a scary dude and likes to talk out there. And uh, but probably some of those. What does he say? Oh, plenty of stuff. um not meant for the podcast
0: but i will tell you that
1: the two worst the two worst hits i took um one was london fletcher
0: yeah
1: um london like cracked my sternum and broke six of my ribs um, it was it was bad but he you know low center of gravity hard head It was my fault. I made the wrong protection call. And, you know, the guys up front listened to me and I just got shellacked. Um, And then the other one was uh, James Harrison from Pittsburgh. And kind of same thing. Low center of gravity, hard head, just crushed me. Um, So those are are two of the, the biggest hits and memories that I have from those guys.
0: You obviously care a tremendous amount about the sport of football. And it's hard for me to imagine that you wouldn't be involved in it somehow moving forward. Is there any chance that you will go into coaching or broadcasting, or how will you be involved in football going forward? Would you say?
1: Uh, I, I mean, I do. I do love it. It is. It's been such a huge part of my life. Um, you know, I always have the conversation with my wife every year of like, well, if I'm done playing, you know, now I've got 17 years of. NFL knowledge stored up in my right. mind. Like I just don't, I don't want it to go to waste. Um, I think in another life I would love to coach, but in the life that I lead and I'm in right now with all the kids and everything else, that's a, it's a sacrifice that I'm just not willing to make at this point. Um, you
0: do enough coaching for seven individuals.
1: <laughs> my, my, uh, yeah. I, I do a lot of, I do a lot of coaching, like up until the age of like 12 or 13, I'm a, I like youth sports up until about then, then it gets a little crazy for me. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I do, I want to stay involved in the game. And so, you know, the, maybe the the broadcasting media side that, you know, we'll see, but I just feel like I have more to give and offer and, I think that it would be it would be good for for me to be able to share a lot of the things I've seen and learned over the years with with people with the viewing audience. So we'll see where we go from here.
0: Yeah. So what would you envision that looking like on the media side if you could enact your ideal role?
1: I don't know. Um, still trying to still trying to figure that one out. But um, how about a, how about a weekly podcast with me? I think we're going to steer clear of the podcast for now. Um, I can't imagine becoming one of the annoying retired players that keeps asking ex-teammates for podcast invites.
0: Well, I figured I was going to cash in my one chip today and make the one request for that podcast today (laughs) and give you the chance to have a goodbye that you deserve for that level of play over that period of time. To that degree of success. Like, wow. Somebody had to do that.
1: Yeah. Thank you. And I will say for 40 days, I was the oldest quarterback in the NFL for 40 days.
0: Oh, 40. It was 42 days, actually. Oh,
1: 42. 42 days. <laughs> yeah,
0: 42 days. days. How'd that feel to be the oldest quarterback and then be supplanted?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. But he, yeah, it was, it was cool. It was a good feeling.
0: Yeah, that guy's unbelievable, huh?
1: Unbelievable. Yeah. Just the longevity is, it doesn't, it it defies all logic.
0: As somebody who's played 17 years, how would you put into words what he's done until the age of 45?
1: It really doesn't make sense. I mean, a lot of it, it's a testament to what he does and how he trains and how every waking minute of his day is about, you know, making sure that he's in the best shape possible to be on the football field. you know, that being said, um, you know, there's a lot of luck that goes into it too. You know, he he had the one serious knee injury from the low hit from Bernard Pollard that he was able to come back from. But um and I know he's played through a lot of stuff, I'm sure, but being able to avoid some of those serious injuries, um some of that is training, some of that is preparation, some of that is luck. Uh, but to be able to do it for as long as he has on the mental side of it, to be able to be so locked in for every single game, it just, that part of it and being a quarterback and knowing the grind that it takes week in and week out, that part of it just doesn't make sense to me. That it's It's so incredible to look at his preparation and how zoned and locked in he is for every single game. Uh, That part is, is unparalleled, unmatched by anybody that's ever played.
0: Maybe in any sport. Well, Michael Jordan, you know, some people like that we're talking about iconic athletes, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to, yeah, it's hard to go like yeah, across sports like that. But uh, my, my favorite quarterback that I got to play against though um, was Peyton Manning. I mean, he, and Peyton had that, the laser focus and everything else. and um, But he I, – I think Peyton's the greatest quarterback to ever live. That's, that's you do? I, mean, I do. Uh, and I think Tom Brady's the greatest champion, but I do think Peyton Manning's the greatest quarterback to ever
0: live. What makes him the greatest quarterback to live?
1: I think every, everything that that dude did, every – he just did everything with so much intent, and he changed the game with how he approached it from the mental side with all the things they were doing in Indy you know, how I'm sure you were able to see or remember the games at the RCA dome when it was so quiet when he was on offense and so loud, you know, when they were out there on defense, but to have control and command of every aspect of the game, like he did, um, he, he was the most impressive I ever saw.
0: Wow. That's quite a statement. It's quite a statement. Hey, I want to thank you very much for the time. You know, you said at the beginning that every podcast goes an hour. I'm keeping you under an hour as a little bit of a retirement gift. And I also want to say that the Super Bowl is in Arizona next year. I'd love to see you for lunch again. If I could buy you lunch in Arizona. uh,
1: Hopefully, hopefully we'll see you in Arizona uh, at the Super Bowl, maybe at the 16th hole, the waste management. We'll see.
0: (laughs) Oh, is it going to be the same weekend? Yeah. Oh, I could tell you this. We're going out. We're going out. Thursday or Friday, right. Wednesday or Thursday, like in advance. How about that? Let's do it. Let's in do fact, it. Man. I'd yeah. even like to say I'm inviting myself. If anybody from the PGA is listening, me <laughs> and you, I'm inviting me and you to play in a pro-am with somebody.
1: Yeah. Um, you want to do that on Wednesday. Okay. Um,
0: well, you know, I don't know if ESPN is going to give me off NFL live that day, but yeah. if I'm playing with you and somebody good in a pro-am, I'll request a day off.
1: I will, I will say I played in it one year before, played awful the whole day, but I did birdie 16, one of my like, top three sporting moments of all time uh, with the
0: crowd there and everything. It
1: was incredible.
0: Well, I may have told this during the podcast, and if I have, I apologize to anybody who's heard it, but I played in one pro-am, TPC Potomac, and I'm playing in a foursome with Bill Emerson, who was like the head of Quicken Loans. I'm playing with J.R. Smith, who was unbelievable.
1: Well, he's a college Good. golfer now. Yeah.
0: Unbelievable. Ricky Fowler and me. And so they introduced Bill Emerson. It's about 8 in the morning. He comes out, hits a 250-yard drive right into the fairway. They say now J.R. Smith, I think he just won the world championship with the Cleveland Cavaliers, comes out, hits a bomb, 310. Like he's a great golfer, into the fairway. From ESPN, Adam Schefter. Now there's about 100 fans on each side. This is pre-pandemic. And I get up there and I had new clubs shipped there that I'd never used. I'm not making an excuse or anything. And I get up there in front of the crowd and I swing and hit a three-yard dribbler that rolled past my left ankle. Okay. It was as humiliating a moment as I've ever had, Ryan. It was awful. And so if we get the chance to play in a pro-am at the Waste Management in Arizona next February, I'm hoping that I will hit a better tee shot than the one I did in front of Ricky Fowler.
1: Yeah, I would love that. And I don't I don't know that it was the clubs, but I would absolutely love <laughs> like- it.
0: <laughs> my friend, thank you very much for your time. Congratulations on your career. Good luck with the seven children. I'm going to check my device in a bin right now, and we will be in <laughs> touch. And if I get up with anything, you let me know. All right. Great talking to you. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate you. See ya. How cool is Ryan Fitzpatrick? How great, how smart, how creative. That made his mark on the players he played with, on the game itself, the organizations he was with, just a tremendous guy and had a tremendous NFL career doing what he did. And really, when you look at it, he's the latest in a long line of NFL players to retire this offseason. If you start to look at all the people, all the players the game lost this offseason, wow, it's pretty extensive. I know Tom Brady retired, but then he came back. But besides from Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, Gone from the game, the great Eagles guard, Brandon Brooks, the tremendous Rams offensive tackle, Andrew Whitworth, his teammate there in L.A., Eric Weddle, retiring again. How about Frank Gore last week? Because there were a spate of retirements last week altogether. Frank Gore, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Frank Gore, the NFL's third all-time leading rusher. He retires right after Stefan Tuitt of the Pittsburgh Steelers retires and Alex Mack retires. That was all last week. Think about that. What a week that was. Fitzpatrick, Gore, Tuitt, Mack. Wow. Crazy kind of week. Malcolm Jenkins. His name showed up on the wire last week, having officially retired after a tremendous career on and off the field. Alejandro Villanueva retired. Jack Doyle, the Colts tight end, retired. Whitney Merciless, we had on this podcast earlier, a very insightful man. It's always great to reach out to these guys after they retire, the smart ones, the personable ones, and they can shed some insight on their decision and their career, and Whitney Merciless did that for us recently, as Ryan Fitzpatrick did that for us today. Sam Cook, last week we told the story about the video that the Ravens made for him, and it was outstanding, a tribute to him, Bilal Powell the running back retired, Jack Crawford, Ricardo Allen, Craig Robertson, some tremendous players that the league has lost this off season, but there might not be a more colorful character than the great Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was kind enough to join us today. Please join us next week when we'll be joined by the former NFL wide receiver, Vernon Taylor, with his inspirational story, as well as the inspirational story of Eric LeGrand, the former Rutgers football player who now is going on to do great things after his college career tragically ended way earlier than it should have. I want to thank Ryan Fitzpatrick once again for his time today. What a performance, what a career, what a great time with him. I want to thank my producers, Christina Buswell and Sarah Abbott, for putting together this podcast. And I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning into another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week, as we mentioned. And until then, have a great week, be well, and stay safe.